Join us on our Galaxy-class starship as we head to Columbus, Ohio, the, this uh, December the USS, 2nd. USS Columbus. The USS Columbia? <laughs> oh, no, wait. Sorry. I was channeling the cage. There were no Galaxy-class starships back in the day. No, that's true. That was only in, uh, in, in Next Generation. And you don't know our 10th as well as... Oh, wait. That's not it either. Okay. What do they say? What do they say? These galaxy class starships. What is that ridiculous scene in Far Point where they're talking about the, you know, they're literally like I, I think it's I'm sharing the Bible by this new galaxy class starship. Okay, great. Good for you. How many times do they say galaxy quest in uh, galaxy? <laughs> How class? many times do they say galaxy quest? Galaxy class in, in Far Point, Darren. I don't know. I think uh maybe three times. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. they want to really hammer it home because it's in the Bible. It's so they got to make it than, very clear. It's way bigger than the solar system class one. It's super bigger than the constellation <laughs> class. It's even bigger than the dreadnoughts. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the point of this, the point of this is that we, Darren Doctrine, Mark A. Altman, the Inglorious Trexperts, are going to be at GalaxyCon in Columbus, Ohio, December second through the fourth. You'll join be a, a, a wonderful romping weekend with us. Yes, yes. I, it's going to be great because uh, these are great conventions. Uh, Mike Broner and his team do a fantastic job. We're really excited uh, um, to, to be there. Um, we know that they're all about the fans, which is something that we found very attractive when we had the opportunity to go. Uh, and, and you can join us for live podcast recordings, interviews, meets and greets, special guests who will be attending the convention like Bill Shatner, Kevin. I have, I have in my notes, Kevin Sith. <laughs> <Who's that>? Kevin <laughs> Smith, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, Terry Farrell, many others. Of course, and us. we would, and us. Well, of course, us. That's the most exciting of all. Your, we would your be honored favorite, if you would your join favorite, us. Favorite uh, wheeled scooter targets. Oh my God! I hope not. I hope not. I feel like they <laughs> they they set their sights on me. Like they've locked on. They've locked on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like when there's a phaser on on, on overload. Deflector is full intensity. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, but it's going to be great. We're really excited, and we hope you are too, and you'll join us in Columbus, Ohio, this December 2nd to the 4th at GalaxyCon. For more information or buy tickets, go to GalaxyCon.com today. Hey, Darren, have you heard about Trexpers Plus yet? Heard about it. We've we've done it. What it's are you amazing. About? Of course I've heard about it. It's so cool. You're getting the whole Trexpers experience, but you're also getting a new podcast from us the inglorious experts deck 78 this is true it's it's like a it's like hanging uh with us in the lounge on a starship but also cool guests talking about cool subjects trek adjacent topics like right. alien battle beyond the stars robocop logan's run the black hole you name it and we'll, uh, we'll, you know we'll be there who knows there might be a little uh, one about the godfather someday Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe I want to do that. Maybe won't be able to refuse that. They won't indeed. So it's real easy to join. If you want to support uh, the podcast and become a member of Trexpers Plus to get all the, the great Trexpers Plus goodness, you want to go to <laughs> TrexpersPlus.com, TrexpersPlus.com. And take word, off one for savings. Out. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it, it, you, you can sign up. It's very easy. And then from there on out, you can enjoy the full experience and you can be find your way chosen. to deck 78 the hidden deck of the starship <laughs> enterprise and the inglorious trexperts where we hang out well yeah it's all good join us
thetrexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And we are the inglorious Trexperts. And today uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna halt and catch fire in a bottle. We're uh <laughs> fire is the fire in which we burn. Oh my goodness. Time. Time is the fire in it's, which we it's burn. Galt and catch fire. They called to catch fire. That's funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're. I'm thrilled to say uh, we have uh, Christopher Cantwell uh, joining us. Chris, of course, is the co-creator of Halt and Catch Fire, the wonderful AMC show about the birth of the um, computer era. And um, uh, he also uh, was a consulting producer on Lodge 49, and uh, recently was an executive producer on Paper Girls, and is uh, developing the new. Um, Max Headroom series for AMC, which is very exciting. We talk about it. He actually talked a lot more about it than I thought uh, he would. So that was pretty cool. Um, uh, I'm I'm really happy. And you know, it's funny you you mentioned in the interview that uh, there's the episode of Hold and Catch Fire where they go to see Generations. My favorite reference though is in For All Mankind where they go to see Star Trek too. There's a lot of con conversation. Right. So I believe me, given the choice between seeing con or generations, it's a no brainer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, nobody, nobody mentioned Star Trek three though. I wonder why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but uh, Chris is a, uh, Chris is a long time uh, Star Trek fan. I've, I've known Chris for a few years. We were back in the uh, WGA showrunners program together um and he's had uh, a a lot of, a lot of successes and it's so great to hear him so passionate about writing for uh, idw and the new star trek comics and uh he'll share that with us so uh without any further ado let's uh beam in mr christopher cantwell Well, now that we're beaming our guests in, should I say uh, what we got back uh, didn't live long, fortunately? No, that Let, would be let's good. Let's hope they don't. They, let's hope they live long and prosper. And pro yeah, okay, great. <laughs> well, Chris, it's great to have you uh, joining us because like you, you are a uh, a Trek expert, a Trek enthusiast, a Trek fan. I, I avoid using the, I consider pejoratives, Trekkies and Trekkers. The, I like Trek enthusiast, Trek fan, Trek obsessive. Those are all cool words. Um <laughs> I, I I'd love to 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 know you got uh, uh you know you you've been a fan from afar but mm -hmm. uh you had some exciting news come out of uh, New York Comic Con that brings you closer into the uh Trek universe can you share it with us Yeah so I mean the the, the long and short of it is is uh, you know I'm I'm also uh, kind of waist deep at this point in writing comic books which I love and there's a new concerted effort by IDW, who is the, the license holder for Trek comics, um, to unify those books into more into a more cohesive universe, very much like how Marvel did with uh, Star Wars. Um, and they're actually doing it with Heather Antos, who's a brilliant editor, and did, did that very thing over at Marvel with Star Wars. And so there's a new book coming out uh, this fall that's just called Star Trek. Uh, like they, it's literally called Star Trek, no colon within the IDW team, right? There's no <laughs> submission right. thing. And, and that book is being written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and, and drawn by uh, Ramon Rosanis. And it's, it's, it's genius. And it's like a, 
it's like a Trek super group uh, story that takes place post Deep Space Nine. So it's like Asia. Or, Nemesis. Uh, yeah, sure. It's like, okay. well, my my version was like, it's like traveling Wilburys. Traveling like, Wilburys. Yeah. You know, it's okay. like something like that. And it, and it's, you know, it's like, it's a, it's what's great is it's the, each premise of these Trek books is like a ship and a crew. Um, and this one is like Cisco is the captain coming out of the wormhole with the prophets. Um, he's got Data, who's kind of watching him as the first officer, uh, you know, assigned by Picard, who doesn't fully trust Cisco after this weird godlike experience. Um, Beverly Crusher is there because she's, you know, in part to she's fascinated by what happened to Cisco biologically. Right. Um, Tom the, C- the Cisco. The Cisco. What? Yes. The Cisco. The Cisco. Oh yeah, yeah. no. Jackson and Colin <laughs> are like next level on it. The, they wrote they wrote Star Trek Year Five for IDW, which bridged the end of the original series with the motion picture, and it was it's one of the best Trek things I've ever experienced as a a, a fan. I I just loved them. Um, I think me gushing about that book online is how I ended up um, meeting them um, about a year and a half ago. But uh, anyway, so. Yeah, there's this new ship called the USS Theseus, and you know they're basically out to to see what's going on in the galaxy because uh, someone or something is killing gods, in that they're killing the most powerful entities in the Star Trek universe, right? right. So things like the crystalline entities, the Q are under threat. Um, you know, even like Apollo from uh, the the original series, you know, comes up like those types of of uh alien beings right are being targeted gary Um, gary mitchell where's gary mitchell come on oh so this is i mean so that that already came out i don't know if you guys saw the first thing that they did which was brilliant is that there was an issue that idw put out called star trek 400 and it's still available on stands and it's like they got the best of the best comic creators to do these little short stories and it was to celebrate the 400th issue of Star Trek comics in existence. So that's like oh. everything from like the gold key issues, mm. right? In the 60s and 70s, you know, through the 80s and 90s movie adaptations, they like figured out when the 400th was hitting and they put it out this summer. And Jackson and Colin did a story in there with Ramon that was a teaser for their new book. And it's it's about Gary Mitchell and like what's <laughs> happening to Gary Mitchell. And I don't want to spoil what happens to Gary Mitchell, but it is awesome and the art is incredible um it's so inc- like just you know all the beautiful wonderful themes of star trek and then just something really amazing and cool um that kind of kicks off their book um, cool. so that comes back and then uh my book is the first book to spin out of that so my book is called star trek defiant and that was you know just announced in new york and Defiant is kind of the companion book to Star Trek. So Star Trek is very much about like the the big and virtuous noble themes of Star Trek. You know, it is about pursuit and exploration. It's about science. Um, you know, it's about a Starfleet mission. Um, it's got big high-minded ideas in it. And then my book is, what I pitched them was, what Heather wanted to do essentially was the way they launched Star Wars for Marvel, and then they out of those pages spun Darth Vader, the kind of darker book that was a little bit more subversive. Uh, that's what Defiant is. So Defiant, mm. the way I've pitched it and framed it with Jackson and Colin, is um, the Dirty Dozen set mm. in the Star Trek universe. So okay. it's kind of a group of rogues. It's still kind of a crew and a ship. It's the Defiant from Deep Space Nine. 
Um, and it's Worf at the helm. Um, and with him are Spock, uh, Rolaren, you know, who, who had kind of a, a disgraceful exit from next gen because she, you know, traded sides and went to the Maquis, um, and left Starfleet, um, Belana Torres from Voyager, um, and then Lore, Data's shitheel brother, uh, <laughs> comes back post-Descent. Yeah. Um, it's and like Battle of the Network others. Stars. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's another super group, right? So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's you know that's the fun of it, and, and uh, um, there's still more more characters to come that are going to be really fun that that's that's been out of those pages. And whereas like Star Trek, the flagship book is like, um, you know, very classic Trek, like defiant. The idea is it's like a fugitive hunt across space, a lot of breaking of rules and 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 dealing with like ground level threats. Right. Um, and a colon. And you also have a colon, unlike uh, the other book. I get the first colon of the new <laughs> Trek initiative. So my book is Star Trek with colon. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, that sounds, so it like sounds a, great. It sounds, yeah. Uh, yeah. it sounds like a lot of fun. Now, how, how is that a four part series or is it one it's, book? It's or? ongoing, which is cool. Oh, okay. I mean, like, so, so Star Trek, the flagship title is ongoing. And then after issue five of Trek, Worf shows up in those pages pretty quickly. He comes in and there's there's a rift between him and Cisco in terms of how they're dealing with the threat in the galaxy. And Worf cuts out on his own for very specific reasons. And then then that that becomes Star Trek Defiant, which will release in tandem with issue six of Star Trek. So it'll be Star Trek Six and Defiant One will come out that following right. month after five. And then they just go, which is Super fun. So this is, you know, because I just came off of Iron Man for Marvel. And the last issue of that uh, comes out in November, issue 25. I was on that book for two years. This will be the next, like, ongoing title I do for, you know, you know, an IP kind of thing. So this is this will go as long as we can do it. I mean, it's super fun. Well, I wonder because, you know, it was one thing when these titles came out when, Star Trek was lying fallow. It was really easy to do classic Trek because you're going to do a new classic, you know, next generation, you know, all these shows. But now with some of the new shows sort of treading on that ground, obviously the new season of Picard is going to have a lot of these characters. Does that make it more challenging for you in terms of not sort of crossing the stream, so to speak, and go, you know, go against something that they're setting up or, you know, vice versa, uh, you know, or is it just something you don't worry about? I think it's, I mean, it's both, I think, because there's, there's a revitalization of the Trek brand and mythos with the new shows and people are, there's new people coming to Trek like every day. And so there's renewed interest in having the comics serve that world and, and matter, which is cool. Um, and so the comics are being more integrated into that larger storytelling process and like Jackson and Colin are are touching some of the new shows, which is great with some of their characters, with some of their story beats. Um, it's not just the old stuff that's up on the shelf. And yeah, we. But then you know, with that, we have to be in sync. Like we can't do certain things. Like we have, we had to know what was going on in certain, you know, story beats of Picard season three and Lower Decks and you know things like that. So we so we would know how to make our books fit in with right. the rest of it. And it, it, Shrek is now becoming, it's, it's very similar to Star Wars in that, like when I did a five issue Obi-Wan series, 
this summer that just ended. And uh, I know I had to go, I had to work with the story group to make sure everything sunk up. Not because, because there's a bunch of new TV shows. There was the Obi-Wan TV show. I had to make sure that, you know, my book, you know, stayed, stayed in its lane, but you know, we got to, we got to kind of touch and it, and it feels like there really is like a synergy there creatively. And Shrek is doing the same thing. They have just an awesome group of people that are overseeing that and, and making sure it all is of a piece. And it really feels that way. It's exciting for me just as a reader. I just got to read the first issue of Star Trek fully done and it's great. You know, I, I, I love what Jackson and Colin do in their writing. And then Ramon is just doing awesome stuff. And we get like covers from amazing comic artists like CJ Ward and Declan Shalvey. And, you know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, well, it sounds it sounds like you're having fun. And yeah. I know from my days of writing the Deep Space Nine comic when it was in production, it was always hard because you're always trying to, you know, uh, avoid conf- you want you want to be authentic to the show. But of course, the comic medium is very different than TV and Star Trek, at least, you know, in its classic stage was very thoughtful and very dialogue driven. And comics are not necessarily that. So yeah. it's like it's a challenge to honor yeah. Star Trek and at the same time make it an engaging comic is that a is that something that you feel yeah I mean I think so I mean that's the that's the pitfall with every comic right is to just have it move 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 and obviously the artists you want to give them kinetic and dynamic things to draw and a Star Trek comic you don't want them all just sitting on the bridge yeah right like, no bottle shows where everyone's just tableauing I mean it'd be an easy thing for an artist where they just repeat data at the helm you know, like, like just and never, never change the, uh, never change the the pose. But like, um, yeah, I mean, the the thing with Defiant is even as a Trek book that is supposed to be more propulsive and not action oriented, but more kind of, um, I don't even know the word. It's kind of it just moves, right? It's yeah. just they're they're it is it's this kind of fugitive hunt. It's a manhunt across space. Like I did find that. In trying to honor the dialogue cadence of Trek with characters like Spock, with Warp, that, and but also having the the really tight economy, the austerity of comic pages, right? You want yeah. the art has to speak for itself. Um, it's tricky, you know. And I know that, you know, it's actually Angel Anzueta, who was my was the artist I worked with on on uh, uh, Iron Man. He came over with me to do Defiant, which is super mm-hmm. cool. So it's both of us coming from Iron Man to do this book. I know that I'll get the we're gonna get the pages in. I'm I'm still gonna have to do the lettering pass and further edit what I've written for each of these characters because it is it's wordy. I mean, it just yeah. happens to be wordy. Yeah. It's wordier than Star Wars. It's certainly wordier than Iron Man. But um, you know, it's also you can get lost in that and just go crazy with it. But like yeah. <laughs> with Star Trek, but uh. Yeah, it'll. We'll have to keep it tight and concise, and let the let the art be like lead those panels. But um, I, I think I pulled it off so far in the first script. I'm proud of that first script, and Trek seems to be really happy with it. So yeah, you know that's cool. great. But yeah. you you definitely want to avoid that pendulum swing. On one hand, you don't want gold key. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't want where everybody going to these planets with fifty foot giants and man eating plants. And on the other hand, you don't want to do a bottle show. So yes. you know, finding that sweet spot is 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 interesting. Well, yeah. I'd love to know uh, for you, what was, you know, the moment that Star Trek became something special in your life? And, you know, what was your Star Trek and your your experience sort of discovering it? Yeah, for me, I mean, I, it's it's very clear in my head. So um, I think it was the summer of 1991. So I was nine going on 10. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, I was switching schools. So it was, I was about to go into fourth grade and I forgot, I don't even really know the full reasons why my parents were switching schools, but I was at one Catholic school in Texas and I was switching to another one. I was going from St. Mark's to St. Patrick's mm-hmm. and the uniform color was changing. And I don't even remember really why my parents were moving me, but I moved. And that summer, I think I just had some anxieties about doing that. I was leaving behind all the friends I'd known since like first year of preschool, right? So I'd been in school with those kids for six years. And, you know, it was just one of the lazy summers, like 1991. And it was the, it was the 25th anniversary of Trek. Right. And so the Paramount Network that summer did the top 10 episodes as voted by the fans. I don't know how they did that free internet, but they did. And they oh, got- There were ways. Yes. They, <laughs> Call 1-900-TREK. I, mean, I always feel like they just bullshitted the results. They're like, it's these, you know, like- Right. <laughs> well, they still those. do. And it was like, of course it's a mock time, you know, and like yeah. trouble with tribbles, you know, it yeah. was, but they got, they got Shatner and Nimoy to host yeah. that marathon of 10 episodes over one weekend. And I sat there, I was just home, you know, I'm sure like my dad had like various yard work things and my mom was doing whatever and I'm an only child. So I was just hanging. I watched the whole thing. I didn't know anything about Star Trek and I just watched the whole thing. And I think that was also the summer that Micro Machines came out with yeah. that first little suite of star trek ships yep that was it right and i was like i was hooked i just loved loved it and later that summer there was a trek convention and i'm talking like tiny right like a like a <laughs> one little like a room sure. at collin county community college where i grew up outside of dallas and i it was in the newspaper Right. Like that's how I, I was like, oh, this Star Trek thing. And I, I I begged my dad to take me. And my dad is like, <laughs> dad is like a six foot three, like alpha, like computer salesman. Obviously, that's where my TV show Halt and Catch Fire came from. And like um, Chicago, like blue collar background. And he was like, God bless him. I mean, he was like, OK, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's funny you're talking about Trekkie, like if I hear the word Trekkie or describe myself as Trekkie, I see like any microaggressive askance look from my father immediately in my head towards me <laughs> as a child. Um, but like he took me there and, you know, it was, it was, it was he was so out of his element. I, that was the thing I remember most, but I was like, look at all this weird stuff. And it was like, you know, random ephemera that was kind of, it just almost feels like detritus that's left over from another era at that point. Right. Like mm-hmm. we're not even, nowhere near comic-con and whatever it's going on now um yeah there like, was still a ton of fan stuff you yeah, still had fanzines it like, and stuff. i remember there were like video like people had vhs's of the original series that were playing on like little tvs that they had recorded right like that's what they had and um it was awesome and then and then my mom took me to like a bookstore in the mall like walden books or something and uh the thing for fourth grade going into this new school, St. Patrick's in Dallas was like every kid had to have a book that they would, they would carry in their backpack that they should read when they like finished a test or finished a worksheet early, or there were off periods. You had to take out your book and read. So that was how they were fitting in the extra reading time. 
And obviously they wanted you to get like some young adult thing. And we went to like B. Dalton or Walden Books. And I <laughs> I made my mom get me uh, the paperback of uh, Enterprise by Vonda McIntyre. Yeah. So the like, first adventure. like Kirk's very first mission, right? Yep. Like the what it is a story that was never told because they jumped to uh, you know, where no man has gone before after the cage. And so it was telling that story. And I, you know, barely understood it. But like that book kind of became my security blanket those first few weeks at school. It was a new school. I didn't know any kids. But I had this book and I could kind of bury myself in it and be with like Kirk and Spock and McCoy and yeah. you know uhura like singing to these aliens and like weird and i was like i kind of was like it was so that book is you can talk about high-minded trek i mean and God, and steve steven the emotional vulcan yes steven the emotional vulcan from the uh from the troop from the, yeah the theater from the troop. circus from the yeah, circus he has the beautiful yeah. like blonde hair like it was yeah. such a weird book i actually just reread it last year um and it's, it's, a, it's a funny now, one I, it's I, wacky I but it. it's fun it is and it's like it you could feel like Vonda McIntyre just reaching as hard as she could for like, oh, Star Trek, is it this? And like, I mean, going hardcore with what she was trying to do. And like, yeah. um, it was a lot of fun. But so like, I, I mean, that book is, I care that, that the, the cover of that book is like evocative for me nostalgically. Yeah. Right. The cover, the colors of it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I was just kind of hooked from then on. Like it just became this like source of comfort and something to lose myself in and feel safe. And, and then, you know, as I moved into middle school or even shortly after that, my, my parents had an office party. So this was like, maybe, I don't know. Well, well, this was, this would have been before. So this is like an even earlier memory, but like, I didn't even, it didn't even really register. So my dad had a, had a, all the people from his company to the house. So it was like one of those, right. Cause he was like the manager of his office. So the software company came to our house and like, they didn't know what to do with me. Because all the adults are going to have like a party with alcohol, so they just sat me in my parents' master bedroom at the end of the bed, right, like the main bedroom. I sat on the end of the bed, and my they had their their crappy old like UHF TV that was literally like a ten inch sure. with the hand dials from like their old apartment in Chicago. Like it was just a carryover that they had stashed in their bedroom, and my mom had like blown through TV Guide and been like, "Oh, this is on," and it was the premiere of Next Gen. Um, and so I just sat there and watched next year and that didn't, that didn't even really register for me at all. But I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. I just knew it was like, that's the guy from reading rainbow and he has some weird thing over his eyes. Like that was the only thing I remembered. That's um, so but once I reconnected with it, I started watching next gen pretty religiously, like, you know, through fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, or no, like, I guess fourth, fifth, sixth, cause it ended, it ended in sixth grade by that time it was over. But then I was watching it syndication. That's very cool. That that story is not dissimilar to how Mark and I got involved in the show, but you know, eighteen years later, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's it's funny because uh, I have remembrances of watching this show on TV with my grandfather watching it, and I had no idea what it was, and it turned out to be Star Trek. And I remember a guy in a red shirt and some smoke and and you know exciting things happening, and I didn't know what it was. And then finally in uh, 73, with the animated show coming on, I loved that and then realized, oh, well, this is a live action show, too. So mm -hmm. it's it's very similar how you're you're sort of eased into it, uh, into something that you is unknown, but that, that it becomes familiar pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like it was something that it just felt endless. 
like you could just lose yourself in it endlessly and it was yeah. it was just it had a sense of security to it just i think because it hit right at the right time in this transitional point in my life as a kid and so it just stuck you know and i mean I, cool. I i i watched the all good things finale at a friend's house i was like over at his house spending the night but i was like whatever we do like tonight we're watching this and then we yeah. can do whatever <laughs> right yeah. and people this is pre-dvr it was you know you you had v vcrs but it was like if you missed it and you forgot to tape it you were screwed yeah because mm -hmm. it wouldn't be on although in first word syndication they usually repeated it twice it was once a week so it was like if you missed it on Whenever it was, I remember, you know, it would be repeated like that Sunday or something. But then you yeah, were really screwed. Because, yeah, the, the, when I was in like the, the the heaviest rotation of it was I was watching it every night in the formal living room, sitting in front of the smaller TV. I would watch every night's episode at, I think, seven or maybe six mm -hmm. Dallas time. There was a syndicated episode on. And then there was no episode Saturday. And then Sunday they would show... They would show a syndicated episode at six and then the new episode was on at seven for mm. that week. And I would watch both of those. And like, right. I remember doing that while my parents were watching like the, the 96 Olympics in the other room. And it went nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. watching the amb Jetsu match between uh, Riker and his dad. That was yeah, just exactly. the Olympics. For yeah. Like, and Dominique Mochiano was doing stuff and Carrie Strug, all that's happening in the other room. And I'm right. like, no, no, like, <laughs> Tashigara was killed again, you know. Uh, yeah, so you, so you you um you became fan next gen, and then of course Deep Space Nine premiered. You know, based on Defy, and I assume like Next Generation, that was a show that you got it. You were captured your imagination as well. Yeah, I liked it. It was so. I watched the first few seasons of Deep Space Nine live. I think I, I remember watching. It was another like this is premiering after Next Gen, like. You know, Patrick Stewart was in that first episode, and you're like, "Ooh!" And so, I, I definitely would watch that. And then that was the block, right? It was like Next Gen, Deep Space Nine. So I did that for years. Um, I didn't. I actually didn't finish Deep Space Nine because by the time it was ending, I think I was in high school, and I started. I got a car, and so I was like doing all you know that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I kind of, I kind of like walked from TV for like all of high school. I don't know why I was mostly like a car and I was out, but like, I just was, and I, I was going to the movie theater a lot at that point. So I was just like very much into like movies and just, just rediscovering and discovering older movies. So I was just doing that. I was at the theater like every weekend with my friends. So I missed right. all those like late nineties. Like I missed the West wing entirely. Like mm -hmm. I missed the end of deep space nine. I missed Voyager. I missed Voyager entirely. I watched the premiere of Voyager, but I missed all of it. Like, I think um, you'll be okay. <laughs> 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 well, Voyager, I remember Voyager. It was like after Deep Space Nine, which felt like such an amazing escalation and subversion of next gen. Yeah. Voyager would, had an amazing premise, and I love a lot of those characters, but like it felt like it overcorrected where it was it like felt like they were hitting the brakes in an American Airlines 747 yeah. cabin with soft air conditioned noise yes and hang <laughs> and it was like oh, wait <laughs> you know it felt it felt like it felt like the friends of the Star Trek universe yeah. you know it was just like we've got the comfy couch <laughs> we're at the coffee shop every week yeah everybody chill you know literally like, at the coffee shop every week yeah this while deep space nine is doing stuff where it was like cisco is back in time and embroiled in the civil rights movement you're yeah. like what you know like <laughs> yeah right you know, it's like, so interesting too because 
it was abundantly clear, obviously, at the time when Voyager premiered that, you know, Deep Space Nine had not worked at the level ratings wise that the Paramount had hoped. And Voyager was sort of a course Christian. Well, let's make a Xerox of a Xerox and do mm-hmm. basically next generation, but change it enough that it's not exactly the same. Yeah, show. And it, it but, had like it had some flares in spite of that. You could feel this. You could feel the studio network hand on it. But like yeah. it had there's so many amazing alums of the Star Trek uh, team at that point that like it it was going to succeed even in spite of some of those like momentary you know paramount network executive going we gotta you know yeah <laughs> you're gonna get like uh like i the people that were coming over on that show like there, there was just going to be some amazing stuff regardless of what the this you know cable channel wanted you but know. It, it fascinates me because that was a show that wasn't particularly beloved. It wasn't particularly successful at the time. And yet it really seems to have blossomed in popularity, um, you know, of late. Um, I, you know, obviously the prodigy is sort of driven by the appearance of. Um, yeah, everyone goes K- crazy. K- and they all get excited Whoa. about, oh, yeah. Voyager, maybe they'll bring back Captain Jack. And I'm just like. I find the the enthusiasm, you know, from a personal perspective, kind of unfathomable, but it, it exists and is obviously yeah. quite yeah, uh, like I've got, passionate. I have the Janeway like EXO over there holding the cup right. of coffee, which was like, so I clearly, you know, and it, but it is one that like I'm least steeped in. It's funny because so Jackson and Colin really masterminded this comic initiative and Defiant like was their brainchild as part of Star Trek it was the first book that was going to branch out. I I I kind of went in and and redid the pitch and the kind of way in, and that was really in terms of the crew. Like they they wanted to bring in more um, Voyager folks, mm-hmm. and I wasn't opposed to it. But I was like, I feel like there was just kind of there need to be more of a concept to crystallize this. And that's when I was I when I was working with them and talking about it, we came up with this idea of like the the dirty dozen in space. Yeah. So like. Kim can't feel like he didn't fit into that. You know what I mean? It can't just be a grab bag. Like a part of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. But Belana was kind of great because Belana was a character who is like Spock, like Warp. Yeah. Like Lore of two worlds. Right. Right. And so, and has, and also of two worlds in multiple ways, not just like half Klingon, half human, but like, I was a mucky separatist, you know what I mean? Now I'm, you know, reclaiming my Starfleet honor. Like, right. So Worf is Lee Marvin, and <laughs> Bolana is great like Jim Brown. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's a great comp. Yeah, it's Fistful of Dynamite. You know, you <laughs> who's, just... who's Telly Savalas in this scenario? That's Lore. Oh, yeah. Lore, there you yeah. go. Lore would be Telly Savalas. Yeah. <laughs> Very, uh... We yeah. have to eat with Klingons. <laughs> just that. Well, it's got, I also got to do this. Show. I mean, I love doing this stuff where it's like no one in my book has a uniform, which is great. And like the Defiant is reported as stolen. So like yeah. you're immediately subverting Trek while mm-hmm. also embracing it in a fun yeah. way. Yeah. Nice. No, and it's got to be fun to play in that sandbox mm-hmm. um, because obviously you've done some, you know, very successful and, and critically acclaimed shows. Uh, but, you know, doing Star Trek is, you know, it, it, it obviously ties into so much of, your feelings about growing up, your parents, your, 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 you know, formative years, you know, it's a whole different beast. And um, so it must be really fun to play in that sandbox. It's a, it's a blast. And I think like from the moment I kind of 
got my foothold in comics and like parlayed stuff into some Marvel work and this and that. I was bothered. I've been bothering IDW for years. It's the one place where I was like annoying, I think. Like, yeah. Because there was like two track editors before Heather and I was like, and even Heather before she reached out like a year before, I was like, hey, heard you jumping. You know, like <laughs> I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> just over email, just shameless about it. it. It's so interesting because obviously we, you know, are huge original series fans. And um, for us, the 60s are a touchstone, even though we weren't you know, sort of uh, we aware of what was happening, cognizant of what was yeah. going on. But, you know, Star Trek, uh, the Beatles, James Bond, all these sort of iconic things, Batman, uh, you know, that meant so much to us. You know, and for you, it's really interesting because you sort of became the Star Trek fan in the 90s, but, you know, you have this great affinity for the 80s, and uh, yeah. you got to take that that love of the 80s and uh, use it as... Uh, you know, the world for your, for your TV series. So, I mean, and, and Star Trek obviously, uh, you know, is a part of that passion. Yeah, it definitely was. And like, I, you know, even Halt, like I got to, when I, when I came in for Trek, I was, what was nice about that was the, the, the movies were thriving. You know, you mm-hmm. were still, you know, I, I, you know, Star Trek four, you know, at a friend's house, you know, in sure. second grade or whatever, just cause it was something the parents could throw on like, you know, and then saying double dumbass on you in like, you know, right. second grade or whatever, you know, and then I saw Star Trek five way too many times. You know what I mean? And I went, there's, I went to six. There's not too many times to see Star Trek five. <laughs> the first, the first issue of Defiant is called, what does God need with a starship? Nice. You know, <laughs> none of those characters are in the, it's, it's just a reference more to like thematically what's going on, but like, you have to do that. But like, um, I went to I went to Star Trek Six by myself. It's one of the first movies I like. My parents dropped me off and went to go see something else. I did Generations for my birthday, you know, of which like my friends were super confused, like why what is, <laughs> you know. But we got we got a I think we referenced Generations in the last episode of Halt and Catch Fire, where like mm-hmm. one of the characters' hard drives crash. It's the it's the Look. teenage girl who like was kind of my cop at that point. Um, and the way they get her out of the house so Cameron can fix the hard drive is tell her that Star Trek Generations is playing. So I, she... I I wanna I wanna hit the skids on talking about Star Trek for a second to okay. say that I love Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, thanks so much. I must have watched the whole thing at least four times. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. That's I so, so much enjoy it. I enjoy the characters so much. The time and place are uh, are great, except for a little couple things, but that's okay. Because it um I I love it very much the same way that I like The Office or no The Offer on uh, Paramount Plus because it's a portrayal of a time and place that is not necessarily the truth but mm-hmm. it's it's a lovely rendition of what the truth could have been and yeah. I really enjoy it and oh, I, I love all the characters thank uh, you and we're super proud of that show and and uh you know it's great that it continues to live on in a way you know like because when we came out it was like no one even knew what the hell it was yeah it was kind of buried it was buried and i think you know amc was in a weird place at that point and and uh but people discovering it after the fact um was pretty great and to continue to make whatever list people put together of like shows they love yeah just this week rolling stone had it on their top 100 list yes i saw that I know people were all mad about that list because it was like they put a. It's like, I, I don't know how you do that. And like Alan Seppenwald, talk about a great, great critic. But like, you know, how do you how do you do that? How do you do like of all time? Because it's, it's like impossible. It's it's like it's amazing that Halt makes the list, and I think we were at like fifty five. But 
you know, we're above taxi, which is like, well, you? you know what I mean? It's like, how do you do that? But, you know, you're, and they're going to get flagged no matter what. And I think part of it is knowing that, right? But like, of course, they want the those. fun of it. But like some people just, I, I feel like online, you know, the event horizon has been. I, I mean, but Alan, Alan is such a huge fan of Sopranos, which is a brilliant show. And I love it, it which is not to spoiler alert was his number one pick. I'm not sure I would put Sopranos at number one, though. Top 10, yes. But, I mean, you know, he, obviously it's so subjective. But he says it's a survey of film critics and showrunners and TV, you know, critics. And yeah. I, I'm not so sure. I mean, I was glad to see Star Trek was pretty high, although it wasn't quite as high as it should have been. Um, but there's a lot of things that we're missing. I mean, you know, Wise Guy, to me, should have been on there. Um, I was glad to see Hill Street Blues so high. Yeah. Um but there was some weird, there was some definitely some really odd. It's, like, it's a choices. weird thing, right? Because it's like you get recency bias with stuff. There's also so many shows now. It's like the music industry now, right? I mean, yeah. there's no longer a monoculture. So how do you compare things from the monoculture? That's a great point. Yes. Like there's 87 streamers and you're accidentally signed up for, you know, two of them, you know, or like yeah. one of them twice. It's, it's been like, so fractionalized that it's impossible. Yeah. Well, how like, mm -hmm. in, how in, can in, you do a list era, of like, hip hop? you know rock and roll i mean like uh, country uh you know it's just like folk i mean it just doesn't it, you can't have you're right a mono list it, it has to be broken exactly. up by it's genre funny you put like yeah you get that bracket going and you're like honeymooners versus euphoria and you're like right. Right. I don't, <laughs> the cultural artifact of one is very important and as opposed to the other which also is probably going to be a very important cultural artifact but we don't know yet because it yeah. just was made Mm -hmm. it's such a weird <laughs> weird thing yeah yeah and it's true i mean it's like you know uh, succession would be very high for me but will it stick the landing where does it go i think it probably will probably have a great fourth season and a great fifth season but we don't know so it's very interesting to see and in 10 years you know during the water wars you know are we gonna <laughs> still care right you know? <laughs> yeah i mean what endures you know what makes a classic yeah, exactly. a classic a, how do you do the test of time you know like you yeah. can, it's even hard to like like how do you compare both new heart shows yeah, yeah. you know it's what i mean impossible. like it's... well I, I have to say I, I very rarely hear darren pay anyone a compliment on this show so uh <laughs> especially if it doesn't involve a colon the motion picture at the end so um i'm uh i you know obviously uh well uh, I, I, will, I will take it as high passionate <laughs> so i'm a uh, little questionable about your first season that at what time period it actually takes place in uh, why because of <laughs> because of them going to see return of the jedi that's 83 right yes yeah, 83 it's 83 but it's uh it's uh, uh may so it's a little bit into the year and it just it doesn't seem like the rest of the things can happen during that year in enough time what things are you talking about specifically well just the development of the uh of the box and the uh and well yeah some of it is compressed yeah some of some of the technology is compressed and stuff and it you know Initially, we were talking about it being, I think when Chris and I wrote that pilot, we were thinking of it being set in 82, but then we started to move it forward the more we talked to tech consultants and things like that. And I think at least that first that first burst of technology- It's not a big tracking. deal. It's, it's tracking compact, deal. right? Like it's yeah. the compact, it's the compact right. portable. So it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallel with that. But yeah, it, in terms of like- It just seems to happen right fast for me. Yeah, it's it just, okay. It's TV fast. Yeah. It, exactly. I mean, look, Juan Campanella, we were just talking about Juan before we jumped on, right? <laughs> Went on and did a bunch of colony. Like, I remember he used to say, he did such an incredible job with the pilot. But every time we would talk about certain plot points we needed to hit for the technology, he'd be like, 
guys, computers are fucking boring. You know, like he would just <laughs> How are we supposed to shoot this? Does it do anything else? And it's like, no, you know not, what I mean? Not everybody can get away with what Ryan's getting away with on uh, A House of the Dragon, where every episode is three years forward, 18 months yeah, forward. Jump, 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 you know? And we were talking about that with Trek too, right? It's like, no one's firing up a lightsaber on the bridge. They're like, right. they're literally like, chairs are a major foundational component of the show. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Look yeah. at these people in chairs, you know? And it's like, yeah, they go and do stuff, but like it's almost the exception to the rule, you know. It's 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 tricky. One one more thing about Halt, it has pretty much one of the greatest opening credit sequences ever. Oh yeah, they they did. Um, it's the company it's is the, elastic. I will plug them. They that they, was our only. They are great. It's all it's the creation of life, literally. Yes, that and, was the that was the and pitch. it's beautiful. The storyboards for those were amazing when they came in, and it, yeah, that was the that was the only Emmy nomination Halt ever got was for the opening credit sequence, and Trent Muller did that. But a lot of Emmy shows aren't on Alan Sipenwall's best hundred list, true. so you know it's a trade off. No Emmy, but you know, <laughs> you're you're on Alan's list. And he's what's the baseball stat where it's like Roger Clemens won seven Cy Young awards and pitched no no hitters, and Nolan Ryan pitched seven no hitters and won no Cy Young awards, so. There you go. But as 2XL told us, he was the world's fastest pitcher. 2XL did say that. That's right. I remember that. Pitcher, Nolan or Roger? Nolan. Nolan. Nolan Ryan. According to 2XL, the toy robot. The toy robot. So uh, (laughs) was that Sports 1 or Sports 2? I believe This is before your time, Chris. Yeah. This was a a 70s, uh, early 80s uh, uh, toy robot from um, I want to see a TV series about the creation of 2XL, the talking robot. You know, I got to tell you. I I, I, at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. Exactly. There's some streaming service that wants it right now. Right, In fact, exactly. they're going to create a 2XL TV cinematic doing, universe it right now. It'll be done on Friday. I, yeah. I have to say, I interviewed the guy who created 2XL and was the voice of 2XL. And it was fascinating. And I don't know what happened to it. I, I must have lost it in a computer crash or something. And this was years and years ago. And I've, I've tried to find it since because it was oh such a bizarre goodness. interview. And I would I would kill to find that because it was absolutely uh uh, amazing. He's um, the only robot with a Brooklyn accent. Yes, <laughs> that is that is that is before before true. Bender. Yeah, like yeah. it's like that's the closest <laughs> yeah. you get. Yeah, I think that's why I loved him so much, and I <laughs> I, I, I had to have him. I saw him at uh, a display at Bloomingdale's with my my mom, and I said I have to have that robot and for my birthday. I got it. Um, nice. okay, so uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so so I was what was what was the other thing? I, I've totally lost my train of thought because oh. I was going to ask. Um, we we talked about your your love of Star Trek and and many of the shows. Um, what do you think the the future of Star Trek is in in your mind? Oh boy, I mean, I mean, I would love to see this. I would love to see this like ecosystem grow in terms of the comics for IDW. Mm-hmm. That would be cool, and for some of it to become canonical, like it does with Star Wars. I think that's really neat, and getting to participate in that as a creator, and then also reading reading it even as a fan, like feeling like it matters and has import and stakes to the larger universe is really cool, you know? Um, in terms of what's coming next, I mean, like, man, they've just, they've just really blown the door open all of a sudden in some ways, right? You know, like you go Discovery, you go to Picard, you go to Strange New Worlds, Prodigy, like, you know, what's gonna, what's coming down the pike? I mean, they're they're really ramping it up. So it's like an exciting time to see what's coming around the corner, like, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like that this this third season of Picard should be really interesting. I that you know, it's like basically like a next gen reunion. Yeah. yeah. 
And Terry gets it. Terry's one of us. You know, he's he's somebody who loves loves Star Trek, grew up on Star Trek, worked on Star Trek, and he 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 sang and and, and all the right things and you know everything uh, you know uh, looks like uh, you know very high expectations and hopefully this time they will they will be met. Um, but I have to say, you know, it's so cool. I love the idea. I'm going to have to what, read your your comment because I love the Dirty Dozen with Deep Space Nine. It's it's funny because when I was doing Deep Space Nine, I did oh, it's Deep Space Nine, the Fountainhead. I did Deep Space Nine, the Diary of Anne Frank. I like Dirty Dozen a lot, cool, a lot more. So, um, but um, I do want to. I'd be remiss if before we let you go, and I know you can't really talk about it, but uh, I have uh, a fixation on Amanda Pace. Um, you're developing Max uh, Headroom now as as a, yes. a TV show. What can you tell us? And again, I know you probably you're probably very early in the process, but we're all Max Headroom fans, fans of the old Coca-Cola campaign, fans of Amanda Pays, Matt we're Furler. All 15 minutes into know. the future. And and I loved that show back in the day. Um, and uh, it's amazing when I saw that you were uh, developing it. Um, I was like, oh, that's that's great. Is, is that I'm something? very excited about that. That's like a huge uh, passion project for me. I've been working on that now for um, over two years at this point, just oh, because okay. it's taken so long. Um, and that's nobody's fault. It's just like you're dealing with like a, a like an older property that also, by the way, that has never been allowed to be taken out. Um, right. All three media, um, who's who kind of controls it in the UK, like they've been very protective of it since. Since I think Max went through the the, the gauntlet that he did, and, and there was a little bit of overexposure there, but I think the yeah. end of the end of the eighties, and they're like, let's yeah. park this. And I think, you know, I actually remember watching the show that was on ABC, like um, that was, you know, that came out of that BBC pilot, uh, right. twenty minutes in the future, and and um, I thought it was fascinating for I think similar reasons that you were drawn to even Trek, right? Like that it it had this snarky cyberpunk tone there was like lore you could dig into that was fun you know it was like what is the state of the world and i think that you know matt was hilarious in that role and, and like just so you know magnetic and and i mean he's a he's an incredible character actor having gotten to know yeah. him now for the last year or so like and it's fine i mean you know, he was great on next gen right like yeah goes up and everything and like he was great on the nick uh he was like really kind of kicked off the tone of that show and the emotional stakes in an amazing way because you uh, you knew him as a very goofy guy and then you see him in something like next generation or even like the remake of james gunn's remake of dawn of the dead and it's a completely different kind of performance i mean he's such a versatile character actor he's a, he's like it, those great character actors like steven toblowski and like jt yes. walsh was back in the day yep. you know he could just do you know anything yeah, like he he just he's he's definitely Ron like Silver. Echelon. Yes, exactly. Just like can hang in any scene with any actor. Yeah. It's incredible. Like and and um when I started I, I got to know Daniel Noah and Elijah Wood from SpectreVision. Boy, like at this point four years ago, like I I met, had dinner with them just before the pandemic and um, I was I had was working on something else that and I it, it caught their attention and I was very excited to sit down with them and I had just seen Mandy in the theater in Vancouver because uh, I was uh, doing the final like sound mixing and coloring of a feature I directed up in Vancouver and I went and saw Mandy like opening weekend there and it was just I mean just what an, one of the best like one of the last great theatrical experiences I had as it turns mm -hmm. out yeah um, for various reasons but uh, it was so cool to sit with them and and when the 
I was I was kind of a few months into Paper Girls and Daniel reached out and said, we're, we've got all three media like interested in us as potential partners for Max Hedrum. Uh, would you be interested? And, and I said, yes. I was a little locked up though because of um, Paper Girls and yeah. we were about to, you know, we were in the middle of writing, we were gonna shoot, this was gonna be the summer of 2020. But then the pandemic happened and so all that got put on pause. And so um, Legendary, uh, was a little kinder to me in terms of what I was able to do outside of the uh, paper girls. Right. And so I, I reached back out to Daniel and said, you know, if you guys are still doing that, I, I really want to be a part of it. Cause I, I remember that character so much. And it was, you know, as another thing that it's, it's this icon from your childhood and, mm -hmm. and there just seems to be so many different pieces in there that were, were fun. And also like, it, it may not make sense on the surface, but like it was something where, Rogers and I had been approached to do every tech story six ways from Sunday after Halt and Catch Fire. You know, like, oh man, we want to do the Silk Road. Oh, we want to do crypto. Oh, we want to do the XXL robot. You know, what I'm, like yeah. whatever. They were like, <laughs> what about the Halt and Catch Fire guys? And it was like, we were so teched out. Right. And Rogers and I were able to, I think, do the story of Halt and Catch Fire and have the undercurrent of that show always be... <laughs> always be um people going well now look where we are at we're at you know like we could have joe cameron and gordon and donna be like we're gonna change the world it's gonna be fun and move real fast and and go like well now there's no off switch is there like right. here we are like forever um and all the implications that that come with that and i you know Max presents a unique opportunity for me to do something that feels like, a, in some ways, a spiritual answer to the technology we explored and the themes around technology in Hall. Because yeah. if you're going to talk about, you know, Hall was about how we started and where we came from. If 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 Max is maybe like where we're headed, if we're not careful, mm -hmm. um, uh, the best way that I've discovered in Max to to talk about some of these technological issues and problems and toxicities is with hyperbole right right because hyperbole more and more starts to feel less and less hyperbolic and more realistic mm -hmm. the more we go on with things like nfts and whatever the shit you know what i mean like mm -hmm. yeah um it's all it's all kind of tied together in this thing that's at times you know an albatross around your neck right like you know your phone tells you your screen time and you go fuck you know like did I really skip like four hours with my kids today? You yeah. know, I thought I was really invested, you know, like, I don't know what I was doing in 94. If I was a dad, you know, what were those four, maybe in, in 1961, maybe I was just smoking cigarettes outside, but like yeah. now we have all this stuff, right. And, and it becomes more insular and, and um, Max is really allowing me to talk about that more plainly um, and, and knowing, and obviously like, knowing the caliber of actor Matt is like, what's fun is like, Max is not going to be a catchphrase mm -hmm. in show. Like he's going to be Matt and he's going to be funny and he's going to be Max. Right. But like, we're building him out in like a real way. Mm -hmm. um, and we're building out that world where we get to take a future and then kick it into the future. It's like another 30 years into the future. So like the first episode you know, we kind of call inside like 40 minutes into the future. Mm -hmm. But what does that look like? Right. And like, where did network 23 go, you know, and what happened to Max Hedrum? What happened to Edison Carter, the real person mm -hmm. he's based on? What happened to those folks? Like, 
And um, what's the world look like now? And it's really fun. I mean, it's so immersive and and great, but it, it took a long time just because I had to put that pitch together. You know, Daniel and Elijah and I worked on that for a long time. Then we had to pitch all three. They gave us the rights. We were the first ones ever. Then we had to go get Matt. Um, and then he came on board and then we took it around town and AMC, which I feel like is still one of the last places you can do weird TV, man. Like mm. AMC yeah. just kind of gets out of your way and goes, yeah, do it. Like, what is it? You know, it's, it's Lodge 49. Yeah. Why not? You know, let's yeah. do right, like, right, right. Like they were like that with Hall, you know, they're going to be like that with devil and silver. The show I'm, I'm doing right now with Victor Laval, like they, they're going to, they're just, they just champion that kind of thing because mm -hmm their model speaks to it um, well, you know, and there's just going to be some really cool things we get to do. And, and I'm, I'm in the middle of writing the pilot now and, and there's a lot of momentum behind it. And I'm hoping to open that writer's room once we wrap devil and silver to just like parlay that into now I'm going to do my big thing. And it, it's going to be enough. It's the next big tech thing I'm, I'm doing since halt. So I want it to, I want it to be great. And I, it's going to be all, it's going to be the characters that you'd love to watch. I want it to be like Hall. It's going to be an ensemble piece and, old and new, all that, and new stuff with Mac, stuff that he gets to do as Max that he never got to do before, whether that mean like more depth of character or just mm -hmm. like some of the wild things we have planned visually, you know, I think will be really fun. Really and what really people fun. forget, because they always think about the, you know, the, the campaign, the Coca-Cola, the the, the 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 sound bites, but that really was ahead of its time in, in terms of dealing with corporate culture, in terms of dealing with the media, uh in and 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 the corporatization and uh, uh it, it, so a lot of the themes that it was it was addressing are more relevant today than they were in the 80s i think i think so too because it's all broken out and it's all it's all now kind of interwoven with each other you've got like hyper technology for technology's sake you know like economic growth for economic growth sake corporatization of everything just you know just to continue to blossom out into this kind of you know, strangling, you know, vine. Yeah. yeah. It is everything. And there's just, how do you cut yourself out of that? And, and is there a way to, is there a way to strike balance? And, and that's what we want the show to be about, but also be absolutely nuts. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> crazy. Like there's stuff we have planned that it's just that shit and it's going to be awesome. Awesome. I really hope we get a chance to do it. Oh, that Can't sounds wait. great. Well, we're so appreciative of you joining us on the show today, and we're all yeah. going to be checking out Star Trek Colon Defiant. Yes. Uh, <laughs> be be Colon Defiant, everyone. <laughs> Practice your Colon Defiance. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's great. So you got a lot of cool stuff happening. And um, oh, we'll I have I to have, have a, you. Oh, I, have a personal, has... I have a personal request for more Carrie Bechet. I, the world needs that. I think she's such an amazing. Um, she's amazing. Actor and and I, I want to you know see her in so much. Uh, yeah, she's just yeah. That whole team was great. Love her. Yes. Well, you'll have your 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 chance hopefully to be casting your 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 next show soon. So, um, awesome. Well, Chris, thanks, and uh, like I said, we hope hope to have you back and and be able to talk more about Star Trek and Max Headroom and all the cool stuff you have going this on. It's a lot of fun. Love Thank it. you. Thanks so much, guys. Well, uh, Darren, I've never heard you beaming so much about a uh, show as you did about Holt and Catch Fire. It's rare to hear you that enthusiastic. Well, it is rare. It is rare that I enjoy something. So <laughs> when I do, I, I'm loud about it.
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, uh, I actually, uh, I had watched the pilot and thought it was terrific. And um, for whatever reason at the time, I was, I was, I think I was doing H and X or I was, I was on yeah. another show at the time. And so I just, I, you know, whenever I'm in production, I just don't watch much of TV. And, and it, it takes so a major I, commitment because there's uh, what, 40 episodes of it. So, yeah, I should probably, uh, you know, watch it on Netflix or, or wherever, I guess it's, uh, it's uh, airing because everyone loves it. And as we talk, talked about, uh, obviously it's on the hundred greatest TV shows of all time. And yeah. everyone I know just absolutely adores it. So I, I really need to watch it. All the actors are amazing. Uh, uh, I mentioned Carrie Bechet before. She's, uh, the wife of the main uh, computer uh, hardware developer, but also the great Toby Huss is in it, who uh, is uh, um, playing sort of the uh, older uh, co-owner of the computer uh, company, and he's amazing. And uh, I, I met him years ago when he was a, uh, a secondary player in uh, Down Periscope. At, uh, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer. The Kelsey Grammer movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the I, I just can't stop talking about the show because it's great. Was the submarine called the Bozeman? No, it was called the Stingray. Oh, okay. But it kept repeating over and it over kept again. Repeating. No, it didn't. You're confused <laughs> with that Star Trek episode. Oh, yeah, I, I guess I guess I am. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, look, you know, I think it's so refreshing to hear, you know, uh, Chris's um, story about how he became a Star Trek fan, which is so similar to ours, Very but like similar. 20 years <laughs> 20 years yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a subtle thing that sort of takes you over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's not, uh, it doesn't bash you on the head. It sort of slips in uh, through the side entrance. It's, uh, it's very interesting to hear uh, how similar our experiences were. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I you know, it's part of my, my, uh, my mission to broaden our demographics because obviously uh, the show is uh, extremely successful and I don't know if we're the number one Star Trek podcast, but we're certainly one of them in terms of downloads. But I, um, I'd like to, to, to attract more younger uh, uh, listeners and, and just a more diverse uh, uh, group of, uh, of listeners. So it's, it's good to hear, you know, somebody who's not the, uh, you know, the He's same not our the standard same, demographic. Yeah, which is uh, I grew up on in the seventies. I watched the cartoon, yeah. and then you know, and and uh, but it's interesting. Still an original series fan, even though he didn't discover it till the nineties. So yeah, we yeah. like that until <laughs> after Next Generation. Yeah, after Next Generation, exactly. And we can all love it. And, and today, the day we're recording this, which is a while before um, it airs, but it's the thirty fifth anniversary of Next Generation. So yeah. uh, happy birthday and much joy and gratitude to Gene Roddenberry. Years of joy and gratitude. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say, again, I, I think that the lesson about that, we, you know, look, we know we all know about how rough the first two seasons were, but and we devoted two episodes to it. But um, the, the lesson is he didn't try to repeat himself, even though, we, yeah. you know, they did, but it did try to do something fresh and new with original characters and original technology and yeah. to move forward. That yeah. is the 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 he the lesson is right there. It's yeah. right there. And the success of the next generation proves the point that Star Trek shouldn't become a pastiche of things yeah. we've seen before, yeah. but but things we haven't seen. That's the one takeaway that I would say that on this 35th anniversary, Star Trek can learn. Don't from try and the change the past like Star Trek Four did. Right. Don't change the past. <laughs> change the future. That's right. <laughs> 
because it's where we're all going to spend the rest of our lives. Rest of our lives, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, listen, this was a really, this was a fun, a fun episode. Really interesting episode. Great guest. So uh, I'm really enjoying this fifth season of um, Trexworth so far. Your final season. My final Trexworth. season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I want to go out on a high, you know, before we jump the shark. Before we. we... <laughs> <laughs> well, you and your new host can jump the shark. I I want to get out while the getting's good. I don't want to be lost. You have a tendency to express ideas in happy days terms, Mr. Alton. <laughs> it's two-dimensional thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, th this is great. And, of course, uh, I want to encourage you, if you're not already a Trexperts Plus subscriber, to go to TrexpertsPlus.com. That's TrexpertsPlus.com, plus spelled out. It's not the plus sign. Right. We're plusing it. So Trexperts.com, you can subscribe, which means not only you're getting every free episode of Inglorious Trexperts, 100% free, but you're getting our sister podcast, Deck 78, a wonderful new podcast where we deal with Trek and more often Trek-adjacent topics. Right. So uh, if you're a fan of, of Trek-adjacent projects, properties, <laughs> you may want to uh, check that out. You can subscribe today. It's only $4.99 a month, and you get all the episodes of Deck 78. That's and you also $4.99. Get... I mean, you can you can donate $499 if you'd like, but it's only... And, 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 and look, you know, it, it's not a lot, and basically you're supporting uh, the podcast, uh, allowing us uh, to bring on uh, staff to... Um, to mix and and to help host yeah. and 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 to also implement hopefully some new things that we're going to try as well to try new things. Yeah, yeah. And this Keep... this isn't the uh, the uh, Mark Altman uh, retirement fund. No, let me tell you, if I had to rely <laughs> on that, I'd be in deep deep trouble. I'd be in deep. I don't think it would pay for my Uber Eats bills. Oh. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I we we appreciate it and we thank you for your support of the of the podcast. It's also it's a nice like... little rah rah sign of like hey i dig the show and i want to show you that i dig it so here you yeah. go i'm gonna i'm gonna become a subscriber we really do appreciate it it's it's, it's a nice sign of uh show support from our and our, we do uh, thank you for your support just like bartles and james i knew you were gonna say that just like bartles and james yeah but you don't get any there's coolers. a reference that none of our new listeners will understand no but it's okay because it's a great <laughs> reference nor would they understand 2xl but that's their loss that's right that's their loss. You know, they all know how the computer, but let me sure, tell you. But 2XL was yeah. the more dangerous one. That's right. He was filling kids' minds with incorrect trivia. No. Well, he, he was, he, <laughs> he, he, his sarcasm, he could kill with a word. He was like, uh, uh, he was, it was like Dune or something. Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, I think 2XL had more to do with forging my personality as a kid than any other uh, influence I, I had. I completely believe that. He was a sarcastic son of a bitch, know it all. I keep wanting to press the button number four on you, and it doesn't work. False, false. You are wrong. You are really stupid. You know nothing. <laughs> I really wish I could find that interview with um, the creator of um, 2XL. It was remarkable. Because I remember he didn't want to do a phone interview. Like, he was in secret, and he there was. I had to go through all these hoops. Like, it was... Like to even, and then he said, you know, send the. I had to send the questions. He wouldn't like. I was going through an intermediary. It was like the. It was. Wow. I, I swear, it was like. You know, I was like some secret agent to deal with this guy. Well, maybe and he is a robot. Maybe, maybe, maybe right, he maybe actually he is. is a he's robot. Like, he's like Colossus, yeah, or something. <laughs> that's that's wild. Well, anyway, this was fun, and you know, if you have uh, comments you want to share or 
um, uh, opinions or, or, or things, um, feel free to stop by Inglorious Trek on Twitter or Inglorious Trek Experts on Instagram or Facebook, where uh, you can share uh, your opinions. I'm not going to do that whole thing. Is what do you think? Because I hate that. You know that. You you listen to the show. I just hate when at the end of every article now and everything is like, well, what do you think? And we well, mostly you know, don't care. But if you want to share, that's fine. But occasionally there's like interesting yeah, stuff or maybe you want to engage with other fans. That's all good. But it's not like I'm dying to know what you think. Yes. I really don't care. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I do. He doesn't I, care. He's got one more year and he's out of here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? That's the thing. It's like, you know, we're not like using this money to support ourselves. So no. it's like, I don't have to indulge you and pretend I care. Like I can just be honest. <laughs> right. I mean, I love uh -huh. you and I appreciate the support of the show, but I don't care specifically yeah. You know, unless you have something really interesting to say, like Pete Potwistle. Like, he's a very good I like it. Brian, Brian Drew, I care what he has to say. Because he's knowledgeable. He understands, he knows, he knows what he's talking about. A lot of you do. A lot of your listeners do. It's usually the people that find us through the hashtag who don't listen to the show. <laughs> who, who, like, then, and then, you know, this is the thing that sets me off when they put something about, like, uh, well, uh, did you know that... Um, uh, um, the reason that the the cage wasn't picked up was because it was too cerebral. It's huh. like, shut up. Yeah, first of all, it's not true. And secondly, wait, wait, who do you? I mean, who do you think you're talking to? The Tracksperts. It's in the title, folks. Oh it's my god. I, and I love when people start to quote back things I wrote, right? As though it's their epiphany. So, uh, but anyway, uh, now as I'm if just they're being, true. Now I'm just being. <laughs> Now I'm just being 2XL. I'm just slamming the people I'm talking to. I got to stop. So, uh, but anyway, this was fun. I really, I like Chris. I, you know, I haven't seen him in years since we were in the showrunners program together, but um, he, him and his writing partner were lovely guys, always very inquisitive. He's had a lot of, a lot of success and uh, we're really happy for him. So it was great to have him as a guest. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, uh, we're happy to have you here and we hope you'll be back next week for a deck 78 and in two weeks for another 100% free episode of Inglorious Trexperts wherever you listen to podcasts. So until then, on behalf of Darren and uh, Ashley, who's currently going through Pond Far or something, he's not with us. Um, he's certainly well, Pond Far away. <laughs> he's on Pond Far away. He's traveling. Uh, uh, keep on trekking, Ingloriously, of course.